Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders around the world, back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio. Of course, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. Basic cryptonomics is what we do. And I got to tell you, that rhymes. I am frustrated. Is the only word I can describe it as, frustrated. It's not anger. It's not sadness. It's not disappointment, really. It's just frustration. Frustration at feels like my brain is moving so much faster than some of these organizations I'm dealing with and I don't understand why. And of course, this lends itself to inefficiency and inefficiency arguably is the one thing that drives me nuts more than anything else in this world. Well, that's not true. Ignorance does. But ignorance, it's one of those things you don't know, right? Because you're ignorant. But inefficiency, you can see it. You can avoid it. And I'll tell the story, but let me get the particulars out of the way first because I think it's important. CryptoTalkRadio.net's the site. We want your feedback. We want the smoke. Send us the feedback at the bottom of that page. Anything we'd like to hear from our folks. I have some internal news for you. Internal to the show as well as internal to myself. Internal news for you. I have a small bit of external news. It's nothing major, fancy or anything. And then I've got an underdog. I don't want to call it a token. It's more of a project uh, that I'm going to talk about. Let's get our internal internal news out of the way first and foremost the show i've been working diligently on the subscriber section that i talked about and while i have the breakout of all the different value add things that i would like to offer i have the segments of population i have the structure the tool that i wanted to use for it probably isn't going to work because they want to basically control the podcast which it wouldn't give ownership but it it moves it from where it is to this platform entirely. And the reason they do that is so that they can restrict certain episodes. In my design, I'm not trying to limit the episodes to subscribers. I'm trying to limit everything else. Everybody should be able to get the podcast just like you do today. I do plan to move the podcast to a new platform. So that's there. And yes, I could do the move, but this would require basically two moves. I'd have to move it to the host that I want then do another move to this service just to get access to this portal. And I don't know that it's worth that effort. So I have to design probably a different way of getting the subscriber portal up and running that's going to be more usable for me. And for those that may be thinking, well, why don't you use Patreon? A little known fact about Patreon. Patreon has a couple of different quirks about them. And it makes me ethically predisposed not to use them. Number one, You have a volume or activity requirement. You have to do X of whatever. So I'll give you an example. Uh, Crypto Crazed, he does NFTs. Fantastic work. He's on Patreon and he uses the Patreon subscription to give you perks by way of multiplication of the NFTs that he distributes free. So you can get the NFT without the Patreon, but getting on there gets you like four of them or eight of them or 10 of them or 20 or whatever. And so he has to keep closing, you know, subscribers. He has to keep delivering. He has to keep delivering new content. And he does by way of the memberships. That's fine. In this, yes, there is the growth and scale consideration. However, I can't bank on that. I can't confirm it. So far, I don't have as much interest that would justify doing Patreon. And if you don't deliver the volume they assume that you should, they'll kick you off the platform. Well, that's not acceptable. That doesn't work for me, brother. So now... I thought of this other one, I think it's called, uh, I forget what it's called, but some guy pointed me to it and it basically is the competitor to Patreon, but it doesn't really do much of anything. 
to my satisfaction. There's the new host. They have a portal, but then you're required to pay in the tiers and it only really limits the podcast entries. It doesn't do what I want it to do. All this is telling me that I may, I hope not, but I may have to end up building it myself, which I really don't want to do. <laughs> I've done that, but it's been a long time. So if I end up having to go that route, then that means that I need to build the new site that I plan to do. This is the other bit of internal news for Crypto Talk Radio having its own dedicated site. I would have to build the new site first, have the membership side as part of the new site delivery. The challenge is I would have to use either WordPress or Wix and both of them are crap. And so I don't know at this point that I'll be able to deliver that in April. Having them created, that's already done. Having the design of what I want, that's already done. Having the value add services defined, that's already done. I think it's pretty cool stuff. I still don't want to disclose it. I'd rather it be a surprise. When I have it ready to go, I will announce it on the show. For now, understand that it's probable that I'm going to have to just prioritize doing the new site for Crypto Talk Radio. Once that's done, the membership would be a portion of that design and then it would be available. And then I think once you see it, you'll kind of get the sense of the vision of where I'm going with it. And I think it's pretty cool. I think I have more value add stuff than any other person that's providing content now with the goal being that ultimately you're supporting the show. Most of the things that are there don't require any additional cost other than my time. But there are some things that are invest there really investments in the support of the show. And then in return, I'm giving you something that could be an investment. So there's a lot of things going on. I even talked about a token. I have the design for what I want that to look like. I have to do the nuts and bolts of actually building the darn thing. And I found a tool that will do it pretty simply, but it doesn't have the tokenomics that I want. So I got to figure out how I would introduce the tokenomics after the fact and then protect it from obviously external damage. So let's say I'm 98% done as far as the creation of the value add things. This is going to be transformative though. Once it launches, the kinds of things you're going to see that are available and ready to go, it's probably going to blow some of your minds. And I think there's enough value there that there should be no reason that people wouldn't want to be a subscriber at that point. And again, there's three tiers. So you are technically four if you count the free, the free tier that we have now, because anybody can do the free tier. You just basically sign up to listen to the podcast and you're a free subscriber on the tier. And then there's three paid tiers. And again, I think the value that you get, even on the lowest tier is by far and away superior to anybody else that's doing it. And that's the goal. And then using what I do get, if I get anything, to invest back into what I'm doing and make it even better. That's always the, the vision and the goal. So I've got a mental roadmap of what I want that to look like. A lot of these are on the board. The only thing that's not on the board today is creating, if I have to go with Wix, like say, I have to create the domain, I have to pay them up front. There's a lot to do. That's not on the board yet because I haven't decided if I'm going to do it yet. Once I make that call, I'll do that which takes me to my other bit of internal news. And this is about me. It also affects the podcast, but about me physically. So I've been having my back and forth with my various contacts for this new endeavor that I'm going to be doing that's slated for the second. And unfortunately, they came back with another requirement. It's not a big deal requirement. It's an unnecessary requirement. Now, based on the way the contract is done, there's no need for this requirement. However, apparently, they just 
this entity requires it for everybody. That's fine. But because I didn't know about it in advance, I couldn't have helped them by setting something else up that would have already had it done. So now I'm having to scramble and I ran into a very big problem with one of the government sites. This is now getting into the federal government space. And this was a, this was, it wasn't something I couldn't overcome, but it surfaced a very stupid process. And I don't like stupid processes. I don't want to give too much detail. Suffice it to say that with this, you can do it as an individual yourself, or you would do it as a business on, on behalf of an individual. If you do it as a business on behalf of an individual, it's simple, easy, smooth, takes nothing, takes uh, two minutes in and out and you're done. If you do it as an individual for yourself, you, you do it and the initial form is all slick and clean, but then they put you through the identity verification. You know, they'll ask a bunch of random questions. I don't mind the random questions. I can usually answer them and I have access to all the reports and everything. The problem is that the questions they were asking would not, some of them wouldn't even answer, appear on a report or at least not a current report. For example, I have student loans because I went to college, right? The student loans are in deferment because, or actually, yeah, I think they were still in deferment. They're still in deferment because I'm not that far out of college, out of when I was enrolled. So it's like last year. So the problem is that when you're in deferment, the deferment lasts however long it lasts. During that time, you don't have a payment. And if you were to look on your credit report, you're not going to see a payment because it's deferred. Deferred means that that's, it's deferred. There's no payment that's due. I could look at the statement. The problem is that the loan has shifted servicers. So now I'd have to go and log into that portal. I've never logged in there because I never needed to because it's in deferment. So it, when it asks you, okay, what's the monthly payment for the student loan that you took out in 2021? Well, I have no idea because it's not in repayment. It's never been in repayment there. It's a newish loan. In fact, now that I think about it, yeah, it's stayed in deferment. It's been definitely in deferment since the other school. So I can't answer that question. And then it asks one about the last four digits of your primary checking account. Now here's the problem. The definition of the word primary is sketchy because right now, today, I have four, technically four active checking accounts. When I say active, I'm saying that I could use them for something. Of that four, I would track two of them as quote primary. Of that two, only one of them would even be exposed to anything. So then none of them match the four digits criteria that they list. So I say none of the above doesn't apply. But I can't be 100% confident that the other criteria would not have correlated to another bank account that I had in the past. I'd have no way of seeing that data because, of course, bank accounts don't show on credit reports. So I have no way, you know, over a span of time, geez, if I just go back a couple of years, I've probably had at least 15 different accounts for multiple reasons. Like I've had business accounts and on the business side, I've had at least five different business accounts. I've had, you know, tons of personal accounts at different banks over different times. Like I had a Chase account in 2013. I had a Wells Fargo account in 2009, a Citibank account in 2008, you know, and then just runs the gamut. So there's no way to know if this digit thing actually did correlate to an account that it's seeing wrong. And I have no idea where it would be seeing this. I'm assuming it's coming from check systems, which is a tool out here in the U.S., but I can't run my check systems report instantly online. I'd have to send it for mail and then get it back. And then even then, only supposed to be on there is seven years. Well, if I count seven years from today, then it should be the only the three accounts for the personal side. 
So I can't know if I got the right answer or not on this one. Then it asked about a mortgage payment. Now, what threw me is it said that I had a mortgage last year. I didn't have a mortgage last year. I had a mortgage payment as of 2014. Have not had a mortgage payment since 2015. So I checked the credit report for the old mortgage that was. It doesn't show a payment anymore. So I have no idea what the payment was because it was combined with the property tax, the way that they did the thing, which was a mistake, by the way. So I have no idea what to answer here because none of the criteria matches. I picked the one that seems like it's closest minus the property tax and the and the uh, escrow and whatever. I can't, I don't know. Okay, so then I'm trying to do all the, and so it's on and on with this where they're just asking random weird things. It's not the usual like, okay, what's your brother's name or, you know, what street did you grow up on or did you work at this company or did you, you know, basic things that somebody might remember. Like I can tell you what companies I worked at. Sure. I can tell you what streets I lived on. Sure. I can tell you what counties I lived in. Sure. I can tell you what cities and states I lived in. Sure. Absolutely. One of them asked me about the credit limit on a certain credit card. And unfortunately with this particular card provider, I had three credit cards. I knew what card they were talking about because the last four, but I have no idea what its credit limit was. I didn't care. So, and the card hasn't been active for two years. So it's that kind of stuff, right? So I fail it. Okay. They give you two more attempts. So I go back in. Now they're asking questions and it's like, okay, I have no idea what the heck you're talking about in this second pass of questions. I knew I bombed it. Okay, fine. The third one came in and it was easy. No problem. What county is your address in? Easy work, right? You know, where's your... Do, you know, you look once you you financed a car and who was the company? Easy work, you know this kind of stuff. The car one I think is what got me because, based on the list of items that were there, I chose the car company for the car that was before the car that I just had because it was the same model of car, but I used a different financing company. I think it threw me off. So I think that's why, and so I bombed the third one. So then it locks you out for four days. This is what you're dealing with as a self-verify type thing, just because they don't trust the person that's applying. They don't trust the person that's there. Now, here's the thing, the flip on this as an employer, and I have my own business, I have an LLC, right? So I can go in as the business and I can run that same tool on myself as a quote employee. And when you do that, there's no verification questions. It just takes your social and your date of birth and boom, okay, you're all good to go. The silliness of the of the disconnect, first of all, that we shouldn't even need to fill this out, but because they blanket require it, I have to go through the self-verifying, which I didn't even know was a thing. And then to see how bad it is, it's like, OK, you're basically forcing people to work for somebody else and then to block them out four days. And then you can't call anybody to say, hey, your questions are jacked up. How about we get some better questions in here? Because the thing is that this process, I've done it multiple times, but always under an employee-employer situation, whether I was working with somebody else or I was working for myself. It's never been where I've needed to do it under this, like for myself as an individual. And so now I'm fighting this nonsense at the last minute because I'm scheduled to get started with the new endeavor Monday of next week, which is technically three and a half days away. So... Now I'm, because I'm concerned, it's like, okay, four days, I can't wait four days. Cause that's right when the start happens, right? So I get past this with doing my LLC and I just run it and it's all clean, just like I expected it would be. Cause I've done it at least twice, three times, get that done, send it over. And now the, my contact, it's this back and forth where it's like, all right, 
here's what we're doing here. And I, this is good to go and don't worry about this. And, but every time it's a, a one more thing and one more thing like Steve jobs. So I'm battling this nonsense of just back and forth because there's like five different entities involved in this thing. And there shouldn't be technically there's six. If you count my LLC who shouldn't be involved, just trying to make this thing happen and get it done so that I can start the new endeavor and get things rocking and rolling. So finally get all this done. I have a call. I just, I have to have a call with my contact and say, what the heck's going on? Why are they asking this? And that's when he finally discloses, well, you know, they, they require it for everybody and they do this as a blanket da, 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 and this is just what they require and everybody's frustrated and they won't give us all the steps until the last minute. We don't know until the early thing and certain people are out of the office and all this. And I know it's not the guy's fault. The point is if they had told me that, Hey, this is how they work generally speaking, because they placed a lot of people there in this endeavor already. So I said, okay, if you'd have told me this is how you worked, I could have already had my business ready to go. I would have changed the registration so that we could have done it using my business. And then all of this would have been smooth because I'd already known what to expect. But in the way that we're doing it, we purposely didn't do the business because it's not registered where I need to go. I could have fixed that, but I didn't know I needed to because I assumed that they were competent enough not to have this nonsense. So now I'm back and forth and back and forth. This is why I said on the previous, I'm, I still can't give you 100% confidence it's a, it's a green. Even now, I'm being assured from one to two of the entities out of the, or three of the entities out of the five that everything's good to go. And the fourth is moot, right? And so now this other entity could come back and say, well, we need this now. And it could be another nonsense. And I just don't trust. And that's sad. It's, it's, it's frustrating. So the, the flag is going to be this shipment that I'm waiting. And if I get the shipment tracking number, I can feel like, okay, we're good to go. We're good to go. Don't have the tracking, don't have the number, don't have any information saying that the tracking is going to happen yet. Until I get that, I can't feel confident it's moving forward. This is the reality of what I'm dealing with, and this has now been going on for way too long. All just because of the pandemic and the way that the clients are not working. And so it's disrupted my ability to then focus because I have to schedule things, right? I have to be available for them. They may need to call me may to follow up paperwork. I've had to sign contracts. And so then I also have to focus on the podcast, the YouTube, as well as casual talk radio and combat talk radio and the website design and all the stuff that I'm doing. But it's this uncertainty that drives it. I don't mind if I know this is what's going to happen and here's what's happening here and here. doesn't matter. That's I can work with that. But when there's uncertainty, you don't know what's going on. You're flying blind and you get something thrown at you at the last minute. It's like, what the heck's going on? And you don't know why you're getting it. That's the kind of nonsense I'm dealing with. And again, it's disruptive to what I know I need to do for the show and or shows, plural, and the site and everything else. Given that I haven't posted as much information up to YouTube recently because I'm still in kind of this waiting game and I don't want to throw too much, spend too much time on content creation while I'm still waiting on them to give me a full 100% solid green light that we're going forward. And there's always that risk. They could pull back. And I don't know that. That's why I want the tracking number. The tracking number will tell me, nope, they're committed. They're going forward. We're going to make this happen. So I'm still waiting is what I'm saying. I'm optimistic, but I don't have 100% warm and fuzzies until they give me a tracking number so that I can make it go away. So as far as internal, the plan is still the same as I said, that the start for the new endeavor is the second. Tentative, it's what I'm told. And that... It, 
if we don't start on time, it just all it really affects is money. And I don't want the money affected because of other things. So I want to get this started, ideally on time, on track. We're good to go. And I don't have to worry about the waiting part of it. And I can just say everything's good. The tracking, the package, da, 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 da. and then we can move this forward. And then I can spin my head back over into content creation. Once I start the new endeavor, then it's just a matter of juggling certain parts of the day. I'm doing content creation, certain parts of the day. I'm doing work for the endeavor. And at some point, the money that comes from the endeavor will be invested back into what I'm doing here. And then I would go from there. So things are moving, presumably, but I'm flying blind and it's frustrating. It's not anger. It doesn't make me angry. It's frustrating because it's unnecessary. It's just let's understand what we need to do. And then I know what I need to do to make that smoother. And none of that was communicated. They kind of hid information from me. And it seems like it's a byproduct, unfortunately, of outsourcing and certain entities being a little bit more nervous about it than others. So we'll see how it goes. That's all I got for the internal news, though. Again, bear with me. I will be creating content, but I am throttling back ever slightly on the amount of content that I put out just because I need to make sure I'm persistently available for whenever this thing goes through because I suspect they're just going to drop it on my lap and one day I'll get a message saying, here's the tracking number that you were expecting and your hardware is on its way. And once I know it's on its way, then I know that they're truly serious about doing it and then I got to start redoing my desk. That's why I'm kind of tentative today all for internal now quick external very brief quick of course unless you're living under a rock you know that elon musk has purchased twitter the price i heard was 44 billion dollars and he has been tweeting not frequent but he's tweeted enough where he's basically he's basically making fun of the people that don't like this because there's a subset of people that don't like that elon musk has done this because they like the echo chamber. They like the censorship. They like being protected. I mentioned on casual talk radio that there's kind of a rush to, they want to be, you know, people want to be protected and they want to silence anybody that disagrees with them and they want to mute and ban and do all these things. And instead Elon has said, no, it should be free speech. That's the whole point. I actually want my critics to be on this platform. That's the definition of free speech. You should be able to criticize me. And I've said to multiple people on social media about, criticism and having critical feedback given to you so you can say okay this person has great feedback and great suggestions and great ideas and great things that they bring to the table and no I don't like them and that's okay ultimately I need to hear that we don't want to hide it we don't want to mute it we don't want to delete it former president Donald Trump has come out and said that even if he were invited back and I think that was actually Jack Dorsey at the time but he had said that even if he were invited back he would not come back to Twitter I disagree that he's serious or he might have changed his mind because of course Truth Social has failed so I believe Elon Musk would take a different approach he's actually even said on tweets he doesn't support the full-time ban he supports timeout and that's fine if somebody's being absolutely outrageous and unacceptable, but he doesn't support the outright bans, which would make people like former President Donald Trump eligible to come back on the platform should he choose to. I suspect that even he would not be able to stay away from it for very long. I suspect that he would say, no, I want to go ahead and uh, come back on there and win very bigly. Uh, maybe he doesn't, but I, I'd be shocked if he did not. Um, because here's the thing. If he says that 
he is done with Twitter. He doesn't want to do it anymore. But we know that True Social's failing. Where else is he going to go? Like, that's the truth. He has to be on a platform because if he's going to campaign in 2024, as people suspect that he's going to, he would need to have a platform. And so if it's not going to be True Social because it's probably not going to exist, then what's that platform going to be? It would have to be Twitter. Facebook's pretty much dead. Donald Trump's never been an Instagram kind of person. So where else is he going to go? He's probably going to come back to Twitter. Reason I call that out is that should he come back to Twitter, I think that you're going to see a shift in activity. If you're in Twitter, you're going to see a shift in activity on Twitter and you're going to see a lot more people come out just like they did when he was about to go into office that, you know, threatened to go to Canada and all this other. I honestly believe that you're going to see a lot more people, a lot more. There's going to be a lot more toxicity and a lot more anger, a lot more things. But I also think that you're going to see a lot more in cryptocurrency. I think you're going to see a lot more chatter around crypto if Donald Trump goes back in. And the reason is because by and large, the current administration has not supported cryptocurrency. They just have not for whatever reason. They have not. Trump's administration didn't go against cryptocurrency they didn't outright support it like trump himself has said that he doesn't really like crypto i like the dollar you know but he's not outright trashed it openly like you know joe biden has done so i think with him and with the freedom type thing that elon's talking about i think what you end up with now is a more openness to chat about cryptocurrency more openness to talk about crypto and the benefits and everything else so Let's take a look and see what Elon does from here. It's an intriguing thing, but a lot of people are very upset and pissed off about the idea of free speech. They don't want it. They want some entity to protect them, to to guard them and to shelter. And I, I'm baffled at that. I really am. I'm baffled at the idea that people would welcome censorship, but it's clear based on the responses he's getting that there are people who just like to have other people's opinions muted. They don't want to use their own tools to you know, protect themselves, which is what we should do. That's what we always needed to do in the past, and I don't know what's changed. So that's the big news, is that Elon Musk is now essentially an owner of Twitter, and certain parts of Twitter are very upset about it, and certain parts of Twitter are very happy about it. I will say, based on the number of likes as of the point of me recording this, he's getting very close to, like, you know, Obama level of support in what he's doing. And the reason is just because everybody, I think everybody knows, everybody knows that, yeah, it's, it's been bad. It's been very bad. It's been bad for a long time and it's driven a lot of people away. Um, it's been driven a lot of people away. So we'll see where this goes from here. Now, if we want to talk about cryptocurrency, we can do it today. There's nothing stopping us from talking about cryptocurrency today, but it has been a lot of people have left Twitter that would have otherwise been there chatting about cryptocurrency, which means there could be a potential that we get back to some sense of sanity, I think, in how we're openly able to chat about cryptocurrency. So that's all I got as far as the external news. There was nothing really more than that. There was a lot of different things. Um, happening around when he when the announcement was made that he was pretty much done he was pretty much going to buy this thing a lot good happened a lot scary happened but overall i think it's a good thing i believe it's a good thing i believe that we're in a good 
position potentially and we'll have to see where we go from here as a society because again with the cnn plus which i'm not going to talk about here but that whole nonsense with the business with disney and the grooming i mean it's all bad everything everything has been kind of leading up to what hopefully leading up to now it just feels like it's kind of too late because we've been you know bamboozled for so long Let's go ahead and get into our underdog token for the day. And just FYI, I this is not I it's a project, not a token, so I should be more clear that this one is not really a token that you can invest in. It's a project that you would jump in and support if you supported what they're doing. And the reason I'm covering this one and, and frankly, they're if they're listening, they're not gonna like what I have to say about it. But I'm calling this one out because it opens a potential. This one's gonna fit probably in my NFTs that matter category, but it's not going to be on YouTube. But when I say NFTs that matter, I'm calling this one out because it's got a utility that I think is a good idea. I just don't know that they would be the best to pull it off. So this project is called JPEGD, J-P-E-G-D.io, JPEGD. And JPEGD it's on the Ethereum chain. It's actually an NFT based project. If you go to their site, you're probably not going to be too impressed other than obviously the artwork is kind of cool. If you're a throwback kind of person as I am. So it's cool artwork, but in terms of information, if you've heard me before, I like solid information and I want it treated like a serious project. This doesn't meet any of those criteria. There's no white paper that I would call a white paper. They're using the garbage get book. It's not a PDF, so that's a problem. I'm going to get to it back in a second. I'll come back to it in a little bit. But what they claim is NFT holders gain access to liquidity and that liquidity providers give you fees, and this is normal, that you would provide liquidity, and as part of the liquidity, you get rewards on the use of the liquidity pools, and that there'll be a governance protocol, a DAO, basically, concept. And they described that you would deposit your NFT into what they call a vault. And by doing so, it mints PUSD, P-U-S-D, which is a stable coin. And then after this, you provide liquidity off that. So basically, you're reinvesting it back in there. So you take the stable coin and you can provide it as liquidity back into and then generate more rewards. So it's kind of a compounding. Or you can swap your stable coin for another coin that you choose because it's just a stable coin value and they claimed integrations with Olympus DAO which I'm not going to talk about here as well as Chainlink I'm not going to talk about here so they've got a lot of different things that they've built around this concept and it's very similar I would argue very similar to the magic internet money slash urine finance situation which is just as convoluted but they simplified it down to NFT staking that's what caught my eye that that rather than creating this complex web of coin to this other coin to this stable coin to this other coin and then trying to tie it all together the staking of nft itself is what creates rewards well everybody that gets into nfts at for any reason understands the nft uh, what it does why it's a thing and its value its store value and then staking of nfts is a fairly newer concept that more projects are getting into. So I think what they did there is good as far as they know that there's something here and they're going to go after it. Here's the problems I got. Again, garbage white paper, garbage get book, not acceptable to me. 
Their website is straight trash, and I'm not talking the artwork. I'm talking the lack of information. There's not any information. It doesn't tell you enough of what you need to do. It doesn't tell you enough about the project. It doesn't tell you enough about the business case of what they're trying to solve. And it's obvious that they are trying to appeal to a different denominator of investor. And that's fine. But I still think your website should be your portal to everything else. They have a medium site and a lot of information's in the medium. And that's good. I don't believe that your medium should be a replacement for your main web portal. I think your web portal needs to be what you send to people up front. It's what people see. It's what people are going to first search. It's what people are going to find. And so if you don't spend enough time on your website making it truly serious, I don't think that it's going to sustain. This website, although I have a special place in my heart for pixel-based artwork, this website is not going to move the needle for serious investors, in my opinion. And no, just because you're in NFTs does not mean you're a serious investor. A serious investor is somebody who normally goes to Bitcoin and Ethereum and thinks everything else is a garbage coin. They would look at this and they would assume it's a garbage point. So I don't support this. That, you know, with the web, they need to do more. So unfortunately, I was forced to go through their garbage white paper just to get a high level understanding of what they were trying to do. They have a couple of mechanics I'm going to call to that I think are high risk. And it's up to you if you want to take on this risk. I just had this argument about a different project. And it seems like some people don't care. And that's okay. It's up to you not to care. I'm calling it out as a risk. So this, according to the NFTs that they're targeting, is around CryptoPunks. And the way they, and then later Bored Apes, but initially CryptoPunks. But the way they built this is that you stake your NFTs that you own, CryptoPunks or whatever, and then you mint this PUSD coin. Then you can then you can take a loan against the PUSD rewards and it takes a fee, but you can take a loan off of it. Now here's the, here's where it starts to get really, really risky business. I called out the fact that many exchanges already let you take like margins and take loans against the deal. Once you start talking about loans, value loans, you're going to catch the eye of very high power people and regulations as far as the United States. If you're not in the United States, it may be fair game. I'm talking just United States. You're going to catch some eyes because of what you're doing, because in order to do this, you would have to, you would have to basically expose some of what you're doing. Now, one of the people on YouTube responded trying to say, well, it's DeFi, deep, deep, deep. And they don't understand that just because you're DeFi does not absolve you of regulatory oversight. Regulatory oversight applies whenever the almost cussed heck they feel like it applying. Why do I know this to be the case? Because I shared an update and this wouldn't have been on the main podcast, not YouTube, but I shared an update where I said that the feds are increasingly getting involved to reclaim Bitcoin from various wallets, even though they are decent wallets, they're not in exchanges. How thus could that be the case? How could they be have the authority to take those coins and take custody of them. Did you know that the United States government is one of the biggest bag holders of Bitcoin right now? Why do you think they have the jurisdiction to do that? It's because they gave themselves the jurisdiction to do that. So we need to stop with the narrative that decent deep, deep, deep is the solution to all problems. It's not. If the U.S. government feels like getting involved, they'll get involved. Or did you forget the U.S. government tried to get access to an iPhone that was locked 
Apple said no, and then the U.S. government magically figured out how to crack that phone, this supposedly uncrackable encryption. If the government wants to get in the business, they will get in the business. And that's why I'm saying from a risk mitigation perspective, it's up to you if you want to take that risk. I'm just saying when you start talking about loans and borrowing and all that kind of stuff, now you're starting to step on some regulatory toes. How would they stop it? Easy. You're not going to be able to cash this out. I'm talking to fiat. If you can't run it through a exchange, all the government's got to do is snap a finger contact the exchanges and say, when you start seeing this PUSD come through or any other stablecoin come through or anything from these wallets, you're going to block those transactions. Now what? You're left with worthless tokens. That's how sketchy this is. That's how shady this is. Now, some people said, well, we can run it through Tornado Cash. Tornado Cash is tied to a different service that will identify you if you violate certain of the regs. People don't know that. Oracle. They don't know that. So Tornado Cash isn't a be-all, end-all. If they want you, they'll get you. And once you start getting into high-dollar amounts, they're going to get involved because they know that people might be ducking taxes when they do that. So I'm not telling you what to do. I never tell you what to do. I'm saying that I believe that this whole loan business is extremely high-risk. DeFi has nothing to do with it. And if you choose to do it, by all means, that's up to you. I I personally feel like, okay, it is what it is. You're going to do whatever you got to do. So it's a collateralized loan because you would have to have given them the PUSD in the first place to hold in order to get the loan. And if you don't, they can just claim the assets from the pool. So being collateralized mitigates the risk with respect to the ultimate loss right from them because they're holding the tokens in the first place. So it's not a risk on them at all. The risk would be on the person that's doing the transactions and what you might be left with. The other thing to think about is, what if these guys shut down? What if their tool shuts down? What if their tool gets hacked? There's all sorts of other tertiary things, and it's not about whether they're audited or not or any of that kind of stuff. None of that matters because all of this can still happen to you. We just saw this with elephant money. So I'm just saying, from my eyes, what they're building, although innovative, and again, I'll get back to the NFT part, but it's innovative. I'm saying it's high risk, and you're choosing to absolve that risk if you want to go for it by all means i would not personally do it (laughs) not with them not with them now let me circle back on the concept of what they've got because i think the concept is a good idea i just think that they wouldn't be the ones that i would suggest so i would like to see someone create a service and perhaps one already exists i haven't dug into all the different d apps out there but i would like to see a service where somebody creates a way that if you already have NFTs from something, it doesn't have to be CryptoPunks or Bored Apes or any of that kind of crap. It's just, if you have NFTs, doesn't matter where you got them from, as long as you didn't mint them, that you were were received, that you can take your NFTs, we could associate a value of some kind, even if it's an assumptive value at first. You can stake your NFT in this tool and we will let you borrow some coins in exchange for letting us take the NFT. And then if you don't pay it back, we'll take your NFT and we'll sell it on the fair market. Like I would like to see something like that. Something that's kind of like the garage sale of D apps, right? But it's, it's for loans or maybe like a swap meet type thing, something like that, that I would like to see that. I, I like the idea of staking NFT in exchange for getting value out of it. I, Mr. Seagal actually referred to something like that, that you give something that we believe has some value and in exchange you get to borrow against it. It's not that you sell it. 
you're borrowing against it. So the concept I'm solid sound on. I like this concept of what they're trying to do, and I'm sure there's other services that do it. I'm saying that I would really like a bigger level service that goes a little bit deeper and says, ultimately, you have something that has some value. Let's negotiate a fair value of what it is, which to me is as easy as finding out what was the highest price that's ever sold at, and then use that and then say, we'll let you borrow money against it and we'll hold it. And if you don't pay it back, then we sell it. Or, you know, so maybe like some pawn D app, pawn shop D app. I don't know. That would be an interesting, that would be a compelling case. I honestly believe that that would, that would spike really strong if somebody were to create such a thing that it doesn't matter what the NFT is. You just have to basically not have minted it yourself. And however you got it, we'll look at the max price it's ever been sold at. And then we will offer you a loan against it if you want, or you can sell it, but we'll offer you a loan in case you just need a quick buck, right? Now, you could, that appeals outside the crypto bubble, right? Because if you could have people that just get NFTs that are sent to them like as gifts or something else, and now the NFT market starts to grow because now more people see it as an opportunity to borrow. And you might lessen reliance on like loan sharks and payday loans and you know, borrowing against your credit card, you know, all these other predatory type things, you lessen reliance on those and you increase reliance instead on this NFT new process, help NFTs grow, but also help people get some cash when they need it. I don't know. It's something to really think about. So I, I give them kudos at least for the idea. I just, their implementation, I think sucks in my personal opinion. And I don't care for their website at all. And of course it's white paper, garbage, get book. And then finally, as I wrap up, uh, they don't really force you to tell a scam. They have a Discord um, and then, of course, the medium, right? But they don't have a diversity of social media either. And they're what they call the Chad Council, which, you know, I've heard Bleaves talk about the word Chad. I'm, I guess I'm just too old for that crap. But they call it the Chad Council, and they don't have names on here. They have usernames, and they're all what appear to be. Some of them are like CryptoPunks images and all this garbage. I like faces. I like names and LinkedIn accounts to convince me that you are credible and capable of managing my money this way. And I don't see this here for that. So that's another thing I don't really care for is the lack of, you know, due diligence and information about these guys. And then of course the website does not to me appeal outside of the crypto bubble as it were. So if you choose to go in it, please take a look and see if it makes sense for you and your portfolio. I certainly will not be doing so myself. Uh, since it's not a token, I'm not going to, well, I guess I can do a smoke report because it is kind of smoke, but I'm thinking I'll skip the smoke report just because it's an NFT based project. And so I think the concept of what they're doing is good, but they're not, I don't think it's enough for me to even give a smoke. It's like, I like the concept and I want somebody else to do it right. If that makes any sense. So anyway, that's what I got there for JPEG, J-P-E-G-D.io. If you want to take a look at it on the Ethereum chain and you're into NFTs, it may be worth your while. If you're not into NFTs, maybe it's also worth your while. But again, I personally don't, I don't see the appeal and I don't see that it's baked, but maybe they prove me wrong. If they want to chat with me, I want the smoke. As far as I see it, I don't see very much progress on that guy. And that's all I got for you here on Crypto Talk Radio. I am... Going to be back on Thursday again. I'll have an underdog token again. And it'll probably be another NFT-based project is my guess rather than a token now that I think about it. Because I do need to get back into that groove more. 
Uh, I have a couple calls to action for you. Number one, if you have feedback, questions, suggestions, comments, anything, I do ask that you go to CryptoTalkRadio.net and let us know about that because we want to hear that. Subscribing to the newsletter, and by newsletter I mean right now the notifications of new episodes, and then every now and then I might send something out that's on the site as well. I do recommend that you do subscribe because I am working on switching the subscription tool we're testing a new one on casual talk radio and it's looking good so that will probably be the replacement tool when i move crypto talk radio so if you can get your subscription in now it saves you from having to do the steps later to do it you don't have to if you're happy with what you got that's cool but i do think that the notification will help especially if we have some sort of an update that we need to share with the community so you don't have to wait for the next crypto episode but I leave that on you to make decision. My next missions is going to be to figure out the new site design, what utility I'm going to use and where I'm going to, I know where I'm going to host it obviously, but what tool I'm going to use, what design I'm going to use, building up the subscriber portal and then starting to create all the different value add services that are there. One of them I think is pretty cool and I've, I've not used it in this regard, but it looks like it's going to be a go. And so I'm going to be excited for people to see that. Because I think some people, I'm pretty sure some people have even asked about that feature. So I think you're going to be very pleased with what you see. Until though, Thursday, I understand that right now we're kind of in a bearish season. There are some projects that are standouts, but for the most part, things are kind of dipping. And I blame that frankly on the president. But I do see a bullish season coming in May and June. And the reason I'm pretty confident on this, I covered on social media. And I'll do this real quick. It seems like he believes was correct when he was speculating that the stimulus checks that we were getting in 2020 played somewhat of a factor in people investing in cryptocurrency because we started to see more people dumping in it. And some of the green candles seemed like they never were going to stop. And then once the stimulus checks stopped, all of a sudden we start seeing a lot more red than we see green. And there has to be something to that. And so that got me thinking that if it's true that many people were selling off in anticipation of tax bills, and if it's true that the stimulus checks were spurring stimulus in investing in cryptocurrency, it's possible that as people start getting their tax refunds, that they may start investing that back into cryptocurrency. If that's true, then that's what drives my bullish sentiment for May and June, because you would expect to get the refund checks in May or June, as well as June would be another potential quarter fiscal quarter for certain businesses where if we had businesses that were invested in projects, they may be at the end of that quarter seeing where their profits are and how much free money they have to spend and then maybe investing back into the cryptocurrency, especially if they had sold it. So I do suspect that we're going to be on route to a bullish. I could be way wrong. I could have it nowhere close to right. It's just a gut sense that I have. Well, time will tell. Anyway, guys, that's all I got. Thank you for listening to the episode. Please do share CryptoTalkRadio.net until Thursday. Keep it, keep it as calm as you can watching the graphs. Don't stare at them too long. I know they're frustrating. This too shall pass. Take care. <laughs>